0: William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
1: When the high cost of living gets your nanny, folks, walk that last mile with a guy whose only gripe is the high cost of
0: dying. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
1: Barry Craig speaking. Over the hot stove... Winters, while lubricating your tonsils with a hot toddy and wondering how long to spring, freelance operatives pass the time exactly the way barbers, ball players, and bookies pass the time. They talk shop. The toughest case you ever worked, the arch criminals you've met, and the pat alibis you've ripped to shreds. Men will be kids, and you pin a medal on yourself. The medal I always cop off comes when the bragging gets around to the most dough, the most loot at stake in a case. My topper is a modest $40 million. I got the case in the back row of a 40-cent movie house over on 3rd Avenue. A Miss Briggs came looking for me, with an usher behind her throwing a spotlight on me with his flash. Mr. Craig. A tall lady in stiff corsets who looked like somebody's loyal girl Friday paging me.
2: Mr. Craig.
1: Sit down and enjoy a movie, Miss... Uh, uh, uh... Briggs.
2: Miss Briggs. I can't stay, thank you. You are Mr. Craig...
1: Red top, handsome though rugged, the outdoor look. Am I describing myself or flattering myself?
2: Uh, You're describing yourself, yes.
1: Then I'm Barry Craig, and that's for sure. Have some popcorn. Uh,
2: I must talk to you, but please not here, in the lounge.
1: Gregory Peck will be awfully mad if I walk out on him. Please,
2: Mr. Craig, people are staring.
1: How did you corner me like this?
2: Jake, your elevator man, he said you were always here in the back row, taking your afternoon nap when you weren't busy.
1: Jake, huh? Snake in my bosom. Remind me not to confide in him so much. In the lounge, Miss Briggs dropped the case in my lap.
2: This cablegram came to my office today.
1: What's your office?
2: Branch Talbot, attorney at law. I'm Mr. Talbot's secretary.
1: Old faithful, huh?
2: I've been with Mr. Talbot for only nine years.
1: Oh, you're only breaking in. Miss Briggs, hire a confidential operative to meet Clipper, arriving tonight. Tangle Wild Airport, check time. Talbot. What's the emergency?
2: My employer, Mr. Talbot, is returning from abroad, from Portugal, with a client. Floyd Spencer, Jr.
1: You pointed that up like I ought to know the name. Floyd Spencer, Jr., let me think. Oh, the heir, Golden boy who inherits an industrial fortune.
2: Estimated at 40 million dollars. The late Floyd Spencer Sr. was very rich.
1: You're forcing me to agree. I'm vague on the background. Uh, I've got a block against theirs. All I was left was a shaving mug and a second-hand toothbrush.
2: The Floyd Spencer separated more than 15 years ago when the boy was six. Mrs. Spencer lived abroad in Portugal as a voluntary expatriate. The boy was reared and educated there.
1: And now, with Spencer Sr. dead, she's coming home with Sonny Boy.
2: No. Mrs. Spencer died in Portugal some weeks ago. The boy is coming home. I mean the young man. My employer, Mr. Talbot, has been the Spencer family attorney for a very long time.
1: The Spencer family is now dwindled down to Floyd, Jr.? And an uncle,
2: Uncle Stanley, the late Mr. Spencer's brother. Why am I being hired? Uh, Well, Mr. Talbot is worried. There were two incidents in Portugal.
1: Clarify, please.
2: Accidents involving Floyd, Jr.,
1: Accidents on purpose? Is that why Talbot's worried?
2: I believe so, yes. The estate, the size of the fortune, and young Spencer's long estrangement from his deceased parent, the long exile, as it was, were there could be complications.
1: Homicidal complications, that is?
2: I don't want to use the word
1: recklessly. A nice restraint, Miss Briggs. My compliments. Forty million dollars. That grade of cabbages uh, doesn't always excite the best behavior in people.
2: Uh, This check is your retainer.
1: Fifteen hundred. This grade of cabbage, Miss Briggs, always excites the very best in me. A fog lay over the Tanglewild Airport like blotches of green and gray paint hanging midair. I waited on the edge of the landing field, close as I could get without risking sudden decapitation and then when the sky giant sat down to unload i changed stations and got close to the passenger walk looking to identify talbot from a picture miss briggs had equipped me with talbot simplified everything by identifying me Uh,
0: mr craig
1: on the job with a bright and shining face i can barely see it
3: in this miserable fog
1: where's spencer jr he's right behind me
3: uh floyd meet barry craig how do you do this is paul shandor mr craig
1: paul shandor where does he fit into the party?
3: But don't be an obvious detective, Craig, please.
1: Stick your hand out, Talbot. What for? 1500 your retainer. You're getting it back. But
3: I don't want it back.
1: If I'm responsible for the safety of Junior here, I want to know who's who in the party and why.
4: Well, Paul Shandor is my traveling companion and friend, Mr. Craig.
1: That answers my question. Now, introduce me all over.
4: Uh, Paul Shandor, Mr. Craig. I am happy to meet you, Mr. Craig.
1: No offense intended, Paul. I was just being thorough. Oh, I understand, of course.
5: You are Floyd's protector.
1: And I worry about it. Golden boy here stacks as high as the national debt. We'll wait right here until everybody's off the field and gone. After that, we'll leave through a route I've mapped out.
3: Now, Craig, are these precautions admirable as they
1: are? It's why you hired me, Talbot. So let's not be impatient, huh? The first pot shot at $40 million commenced as we crossed the field toward a private door in the administration building. Gunner wearing the fog for a shroud. Oh! Hit the dirt, everybody, and stay down. Who was it got hit?
4: I did, Mr. Craig. My leg.
1: Your $40 million leg. It's 20 yards to the door. Crawl taught it, everybody. Crawl?
3: Now, Craig, I. I'm in charge, Tablet.
1: It's crawl, infantry style. There's a killer out there making the fog work wonders for him. Stand up and you're a gunner. <laughs> In the administration building, Spencer Jr. got his leg wound cleaned and cauterized and a shot of penicillin to keep bacteria from getting ideas. It's
3: only a superficial flesh wound, the doctor says. Thank
1: the fog for that.
3: Well, the fog saved Floyd's life, yes, but it also enabled the assassin's escape. If he's escaped. If he... Well, I don't understand.
1: Walk with me, Talbot. I'd mapped out a route, they said, the plan, remember? Yes. An empty field, then through a private door. Just our party. Once in that door, two airport cops were to fall in with us. Stay with us until we climbed into a waiting limousine. That's
3: well enough conceived. If only the assassin hadn't chosen the field itself for an ambuscade.
1: He wasn't always there. He got on the field after the clipper landed and emptied
3: it. Why don't follow? Oh, in here.
1: I had the big searchlights play over the field before we started across to the administration door.
3: Yes, yes, there were searchlights for a moment.
1: Then, two blinks, stop, one blink. To signal me, everything was okay before our party started across. Our gunner sneaked onto the field through the same door we were heading toward. But why through the same door? Because he had to, for timing and target range. The regular field gates measure 250 to 400 yards away.
3: Oh, and the fog would make such marksmanship improbable.
1: Make it impossible.
3: Your stress on that same door and on the time element, it uh, obviously has significance. It
1: does. It signifies. Joe Potato. Joe Potato? Over there on the bench. I brought him out with me. Joe takes pictures with an eye for goons, creeps, and connivers. Oh, Joe, come here.
5: Hey, Craig, I don't want to be waiting around long. It's drafty in here. No good for my rheumatism.
1: Meet a friend, Joe. Mr. Talbot, Joe Potato. Hey,
5: I've been telling you and telling you, Nick's on a nickname. Craig, it ain't doing me no good socially.
1: Oh? What other name have you got?
5: Well, I like Joe the photographer. It's got advertising in
1: it. Oh, clever.
5: Clever. So, let me sell you the picture already in blow, huh? You got it developed? I told you the box I work is automatic. It's got its own developer built in the back. Now, here's the picture. Now, give me what you promised me.
1: Here you are. Twenty.
5: Oh, I'm rooked in this deal. Freezing out here for hours for a lousy twenty I'll be spending on radio diathermy. Uh,
3: this, uh, picture, Craig, may I see it? Sure. You, uh, believe this fellow to be the assassin? Tell Talbot, Joe.
5: Only one guy went out that private door, and that picture's him. Police Headquarters.
1: Trev Rogers. Speaking. Oh, Barry Craig
5: sound far away. It's Alaska,
1: I hope. Tanglewild Airport, Long Island. Sorry. There's a
5: clipper leaving for Hindustan in an hour. Climb aboard it, Craig, with a one-way ticket. There's a
1: character in balloon pants leaving here for your office in three minutes. Joe, the photographer.
5: Joe Potato.
1: (laughs) He just changed his name.
5: Why are you sending him to me?
1: He's carrying a photograph. A face you see on post office circulars. Check it with your rogues gallery file.
5: What's the wrap?
1: Hunting out of season.
5: The game warden's office is in Albany.
1: When you've got something, try phoning me at the Floyd Spencer Estate, uh, Twin Oaks in Southampton. Don't
5: wait at the telephone, Craig. You'll grow a long, gray beard.
1: So be a traitor to your police oath. What's one more killer on the loose?
5: Killer? Craig, I insist...
3: Goodbye
1: now. Uh, Craig! When Spencer, Jr. dropped the anguished look from his royal kisser, I questioned him privately in my jalopy driving to the Spencer place, with Talbot and Shandor gone on ahead. I wanted information. And I also wanted the bang of being all alone with 40 million bucks.
4: I'm not sure I understand your questions, Mr.
1: Craig. Excuse my peasant English. You're a target for murder, Sonny.
4: Yes, I... I apparently am.
1: There were two other attempts on you abroad. I want to know about them.
4: Well, a fall from a horse during a polo match... The stirrup had suddenly torn free. There were evidences of a knife the straps had been tampered with.
1: Attempt number two?
4: After dinner one night, I became violently ill. A tomean attack. I was rushed to a hospital.
1: Your food had been poisoned?
4: I suppose it was, yes. Whom do you suspect? Nobody. If I have enemies, I don't know them. Who
1: profits by your death? Who profits? Uh, The estate. Who gets it?
4: Oh, well, uh, my Uncle Stanley, I suppose. He's the closest relative I have.
1: Is there any other information you think I should have?
4: I don't want to attach importance to something possibly imaginative or a pure coincidence.
1: Let me interpret it. You tell it.
4: Well, for weeks, in Lisbon, in Cairo, and later again in Lisbon, I had the feeling I was being followed and watched. I'd turn unexpectedly and see a person somewhere in the background. Always the same person. Describe this person. A bland face, like an oriental's is bland. A man of dainty size, simply clothed, and uh, wearing a fez. A fez? Yes, a bright red fez. Where did you see him last? I dislike saying this positively. Then say it negatively, only say it. I'm not sure, but that he wasn't on the clipper coming across. There was such a person, a face reminiscent of the man I've described, only... Only? Well, he wasn't wearing the fez. Mm-hmm.
1: Missing those ditches is like hedgehopping. You see what I see up ahead? A barrier across the road. A pole between two wooden horses, and not a lantern or flare to mark it. Oh,
4: uh, there's a sign tacked on it.
1: Can you make out what it says?
4: Um, detour, road repairs ahead. The arrow points left. We're detour left. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: a wagon trail hey how high does this climb when do we connect back with the main road
4: the visibility is worse i suggest your bright lights
1: they're on for all the good they are hey we're risking our necks
4: mr craig a dead
1: end dead end it's off the mountain you mean cross your fingers i gotta crash came out of the concussion, worrying about a tooth on the lower gum. Pushed my tongue against it and it swung like an old-time saloon door. Damages to the car looked minor. Dented grill. The hood with folds like corrugated cardboard. I stood beside the car, breathing in deep, fueling my lungs, before I remembered to worry about Spencer, Jr., Kid lay unconscious on the front seat where he'd been riding beside me. Quiet, with his eyes wide open, like a guy stunned into a trance. A normal enough reaction to a car burrowing itself into a cliffside. his wrist to get the blood circulating, and he'd come to as good as new. Spencer. Spencer! Only thing, Spencer Jr. wasn't coming to ever. I was rubbing the wrists and patting the cheeks of a dead man. I determined the cause of death by tracing a trickle running down his cheek. A trickle of blood that bounced off his collar and soaked into his clothes. A head injury over the ear. But it hadn't come from the crash. The real cause of death had a touch of voodoo. Lloyd Spencer, Jr. had been shot in the head. I tried starting the car without any luck. My jalopy would need towing. That is, if a tow car would dare up the old wagon road. I was standing around keeping a corpse company and wondering how to get both of us back to civilization when the Fez rode into the picture. A car tooting its horn and shimmering its lights up the old wagon road toward me. I watched the car door open and a Fez pop out. A bland face like an oriental's, a man of dainty size. Just as Spencer Jr. had described him.
6: Your car is disabled? Your eyesight's better than that. It crashed. Yes, now I see And your companion, where is he? Dead on the front seat. Dead from so small a collision? Dead from a
1: bullet in his brain. So. Who are you? Marcel Surak. How did you come to be tagging up here?
6: In pursuit of you, of course.
1: What detained you? I've been admiring the landscape up here 15 minutes at least.
6: I lost contact with you on the detour.
1: The phony detour the way I figure it now. Somebody rigged that detour to send me up a mountain that spiraled to a dead
6: end. Yes, The detour was, how do you say, manufactured. I examined it.
1: I didn't. I still want to know how you caught up with my party way up here.
6: Your tire tracks.
1: In the pitch dark with headlights swallowed up in mists?
6: I am very expert in scientific pursuit.
1: Yeah, I heard. Cairo, Lisbon. And on the clipper without your fez. You stayed closer to the late Spencer Jr. than his skin.
6: Why? For the present, I do not care to divulge.
1: Change your mind, mister. The kid was murdered while we both lay unconscious after that crash. Someone waited up here for a free shot at the kid if I miraculously kept the car from going over the cliff. He was in my care and I flopped. I fell for the detour gag. Now talk or I'll tear you apart.
6: It is so very foolish. Force will not succeed. It won't, huh? Let's see if you're right. You are so very foolish. No! Force will not succeed, I am pleased to remind you. That
1: fancy flip that sent me sailing. What's the trick?
6: Jiu-jitsu. I am the finest exponent of jiu-jitsu in the world.
1: Oh, let's have another go at it. No,
6: this time I will shoot you. A gun, huh? You are under arrest, Mr. Craig. Come again? I am a confidential investigator. You're a confidential investigator? Licensed by the governments of Egypt and Portugal. In my pocket, I have credentials and a letter of introduction to your authorities. Huh.
1: What's the charge against me?
6: Murder. I am sure that you have murdered the young man, Floyd Spencer, Jr. Please to enter my car.
1: Sure. In a minute.
6: Please, now.
1: I gotta tie my shoelace. Okay.
3: Tie
6: it.
1: I'm the foremost pitcher of rocks in all of the boroughs in greater New York, except Brooklyn. After frisking Surak and studying a flock of papers he kept in what looked like a diplomat's wallet, I turned him over to the New York police, credentials and all.
5: It's an official case now, Craig, of public concern, too big for you to dominate.
1: What's your verdict on Marcel Sorak?
5: He is what he says, a confidential investigator. Detailed by whom? The authorities in Lisbon. I've checked by Transoceanic Telephone. Those two attempts on the Spencer Air were an embarrassment to Portuguese officialdom. As an official gesture, they assigned Surak to watch over the boy, protect him. Perhaps discover who was plotting against him.
1: How is Surak?
5: In Ham Hospital, recovering from a broken head.
1: You really beat him. A reflex reaction. He threw a gun on me. Did you
5: identify that picture Joe the photographer brought you? I did. Wally Mavis, a Detroit import. He was a killer for hire. Did you say was? Distinctly. Don't tell me. Mavis was found dead at the foot of a cliff by state troopers. An automobile wreck. Foot of a cliff? You couldn't be referring to the cliff I almost went off. Mavis took the same arranged detour you did. Only didn't have the wheelsmanship at the dead end.
1: Mavis muffed killing Spencer Jr. in the airport fog, so...
5: So his employer shut him up forever.
1: His employer, huh? Trev. Yes, the hired killer, Wally Mavis. Has news of his death gotten out yet? Gotten out? To the
5: press, over the radio, to John Q. Public. Well, no, it hasn't, I don't think. Mavis was identified hardly an hour ago.
1: Keep it like that. Mum, undisclosed. Wally Mavis wasn't shut up. He's in the police hospital. He survived the wreck. I see your scheme. I'm so glad you do. Just don't gum it up, huh? Ancestral home of the Spencers, Twin Oaks, had the usual high stone fences and baying hounds. Inside, at long last, I got to meet Uncle Stanley.
6: Where is my nephew, Mr... Uh, did you tell me your name now?
1: Three times. Outside the door, at the door, and in the vestibule.
6: Oh, so you did. You're Mr. Howard. Craig. Well, my nephew was coming with you, the lawyer Talbot said. Now, where's my nephew? In the morgue. In the morgue, did you say?
1: I said. He's dead. He was murdered.
6: Oh, now, was he?
1: Is that all the reaction?
6: Huh? Oh, what what, what did you say now? I
1: said, where's the reaction? You lost a favorite nephew.
6: Favorite? Oh, the boy was no favorite of mine. I noticed. Fifteen years in that foreign land and coming home now to steal what belongs to me. Where where do you say he is now, did you say?
1: Taking in a movie. Where's Talbot and Paul Shandor? Uh,
6: Sitting in the library. Boy's no favorite of mine. Fifteen years in that foreign land, and now he comes home. To...
1: In the library, Talbot managed a look that said he'd like to see me boiled in oil. You were criminally derelict, Craig. I fell for a phony detour.
3: Young Spencer was entrusted to your charge, and now he's dead. Any excuses don't stand with me.
1: Is that a threat too? Who engineered Young Spencer's murder?
3: Well, how should I know?
1: Try to guess. I'm staying with this case until I nail the murderer, Talbot. Neochromite.
3: What about neochromite? It's the keystone to the entire spence of fortune. An industrial synthetic more revolutionary than plastics. It's the, the bellwether of the stock market. Shrewd traders have made fortunes in its market rise. Shrewder traders have made greater fortunes in its market fall.
1: Too complex for me. Where's the motive for murder in neochromite?
3: I'm speaking hypothetically, mind you. Floyd Spencer Sr. kept iron control of neochromite. Spencer control was jeopardized when he died.
1: And Spencer control is over with young Spencer's murder. Is that the idea? Neochromite becomes a free-for-all? Yes,
3: yes. There are literally scores of manipulators who can profit by young Spencer's death.
1: Scores of murder suspects.
3: The stakes are beyond imagination.
1: Suppose now we limit our imaginations to Uncle Stanley. Only hypothetically, mind you, uh, what's Uncle's state of mind?
3: Feeble. You've talked to him.
1: How about his state of energy? Energy? To hire a professional killer, then go it alone and rig a phony detour sign. Then hide out on a mountaintop and fire a bullet into his nephew's brain. It takes energy and zip and muscle. Also, some mental coordination. Does old Uncle add up to it?
3: Oh, Possibly. He's spry enough, remarkably active, in fact, for his age, and charged with hatred. Hatred? Hatred for the wife and mother who deserted his brother, the late Floyd Spencer, Sr. Hatred for the boy come home to usurp a fortune.
1: A nice try, Talmud. Well, What did you say? I said a nice try. Scores of suspects, generally, and a mentally defunct uncle, specifically. A nice try. To make the situation beautifully confused, but it won't work.
3: Just what nonsense is this, Craig?
1: The hired killer. The one knocked off as a precaution because I'd connived a photograph of him. I'm referring to Wally Mavis, brought in from Detroit. He didn't die, Talbot, as scheduled. Therefore? Nice acting. Nice facial control. You'd be an Academy Award bet in pictures if you weren't going to the electric chair.
3: Craig, you've lost your mind. I won't stand here and listen to you. Then
1: you'll lie here. (laughs) No! Mavis survived the car wreck. He lived to confess who hired him. The last I heard, Mavis talked 28 pages of police evidence. On page one, he named you.
3: Mavis named
1: me? He spelled your name out big. He swore you hired him to murder Floyd Spencer, Jr. (laughs) An old psychological police trick with a beard like Rip Van Winkle's. But how it worked. Talbot was too much of an amateur and murder to smell out the trick or hold off from singing out his guilt in a voice that started out baritone and ended falsetto. Trev Rogers motored himself over to Twin Oaks for some postmortems.
5: So Talbot had looted the Spencer estate and was afraid of an accounting.
1: Check. An accounting. Forced by young Spencer and Talbot would go to jail. Talbot wanted time, lots of time. He hoped to make good his steps from the Spencer estate
5: through neochromite. Buy cheap. Profit by the confused market reaction created by the murder of the Spencer app. Mm-hmm. Buy cheap, then sell high.
1: That's the whole story. Hiring me was a camouflage. A screen to hide behind.
5: Not very clever. In my book, hiring you made Talbert a prime suspect.
1: In my book, too. Right from scratch. So let's not brag.
5: Too bad about young Spencer. 21 with $40 million. The whole wide world his for the taking. Kind of a sad end for him. Don't shed tears, Trav, for the wrong corpse. The wrong
1: corpse? Take a again at this snapshot. I found it on Marcel Sorac when I frished him.
5: Huh. It's of Young Spencer's traveling companion, Paul Shandor.
1: There's a spitting of rust on your mental machinery, Lieutenant.
5: Say, wait a minute.
1: Uh-uh. Paul?
5: Yes, Mr.
3: Craig.
1: Marcel Serac wasn't interested in a Paul Shandor... His assignment was Floyd Spencer, Jr. Yes, of course. I guess this snapshot, sure I carried on him to be Floyd Spencer, Jr. As a matter of fact, I guess you
5: to be Floyd Spencer, Jr. Yes. I am Floyd Spencer. You changed identities with Paul Shander? Yes, in Lisbon, before Mr. Talbot's arrival. It was Paul's idea to cheat cheaters, he said. To ensure that I lived... Quite a geste to do what he did for you. Laying down his life for a friend. Paul was a geste All through him, Lieutenant. He was a man I could never be. We, uh... We made a bargain when we exchanged identities. What was the bargain? That if he lost his life, I would lose my fortune. Lose it how? Give it away. Befriend the world was... How Paul put it. And will you? I'll try to keep to my bargain. I, too, want very much to be a beau geste. Forty million dollars. And brother,
1: does this sad old world need befriending? Good night, folks. See you next week.
0: Listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Motive for Murder, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled Murder in Mink, about which Barry Craig has this to say.
1: Next week, I meet a girl who has lost a mink coat, a man who has lost his head, and a corpse which has lost its life. See you next week, folks.
0: Featured in the role of Talbot was Arnold Moss. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Next, Robert Montgomery presents something different in news analysis on NBC.